This is Patrick Patterson, and you're listening to the NTTB Podcast. Right, all right. Welcome into episode 16 of the NTTB podcast. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Alex, joined in by my co-host, Anthony. How we doing tonight? How we doing? How we doing? So we just got done um, seeing the Thunder play the New Orleans Pelicans in uh, in a, their second preseason second game. Second preseason game, yeah. Um, and they won. You know, it's not like the uh, the first preseason game. They won 102-91. to 91. Um, <clears throat> the, uh, the major players... Played much, you know, much of the first quarter. Uh, Westbrook played about ten minutes. Um, Carmelo Anthony played about. Uh, let me see. He played seventeen. Paul George put in the most work. He played twenty-seven minutes, scored twenty-five points. Um, so we're starting to see kind of the evolution of this team come together. It's going to be a work in progress. I'm, I'm, you know, you'd be fooling yourself if you think that this is going to be something that they just step on the court um, first game of the season and they're going to look great. You know, if you remember back to. Golden State last year, their first game of the season. What happened? Yeah, they didn't look. They didn't look very good together. Um, they got killed. Yeah, by the San Antonio Spurs. Um, and we all know how that season ended. We we you know we know that uh, Golden State ended up winning the championship, and they they started to click at the right time. Um, so I kind of want to go ahead and review the first game that the Thunder had. Um, so let me see. Well, the advantages to this season is that. We've already seen Paul George, Melo, Westbrook kind of hoop together. Yeah, uh, throughout a lot throughout the off season, so that's going to be beneficial towards them clicking. But there's still going to be some growing pains. Yeah, there is. There's definitely because I mean, this isn't street ball. I mean, so they were you know they they hooped around a little bit on the gym, you know, in the gyms this this past off season. Um, you know, they they ran a little bit of street ball together, but you know, you're not going to have the the secondary stuff where you have. You know, a Steven Adams pick and roll in there where you have Andre Robertson maybe, you know, going on the baseline and you, you find him, you know, for an open dunk or something like that. So those are going to be the growing pains that you see with this team probably in the first probably 10 to 15 games of the season, hopefully. And then from there on in, hopefully, you know, they, they start to click and they start to get a, uh, a chemistry going. Yeah, so far in this game, at least in this game that Russell played, of course their plan was always to keep, you know, ease them back carefully – Little by little, um, nice passing, great ball movement from the guys. Uh, we see that Melo's a more willing passer. Yeah. Um, he had a nice couple looks. Um, Robertson is still working out the kinks in his threes. Oh, hell no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Chris Paul, man. That was, that was hilarious. So, okay, so let's go ahead and review that game. So that was, you know, that, that was against the Rockets. And as far as the final tally, the Rockets beat the Thunder 104 to 97. Uh, but what was kind of strange about that game is that the Thunder or Billy Donovan treated that game like a preseason game. So first of all, Russell Westbrook was out. He did not play that game. Um, secondly, as far as the major, you know, the big players, the, the big three, um, Carmelo Anthony and Paul George pretty much just played the first half. They played about half of the third <laughs> quarter. Um, and then after, you know, Steven Adams kind of had that scare, 
Billy Donovan basically took all the starters out and just put in bench players from there on out. Um, but on the other hand, Houston, they decided to play all their players kind of 25, 27 minutes. You know, Harden played 28 minutes. Um, Chris Paul played about 24. And then the, the eight-man rotation that you're probably going to see from that team, excluding Nene, they all played over 20 minutes. Yeah, Capella played, Capella played deep into that game. Yeah, so, so Houston was playing this game. It was looking like a playoff game. Right. You know, and Oklahoma City was treating it like a preseason game where they wouldn't see what the young players were doing. They wouldn't see what the bench guys were doing. Um, so, you know, whenever you look at that game, don't look at that game, look at the score and be like, oh, you know, here we go. Yeah, but if you, if you watch the beginning of that game, the first three possessions were two turnovers, uh, yeah. both on Raymond Felton. Chris Paul intercepts the ball. Takes it down the other way. Uh, they bring it back. I think they get a layup after that. The set, the third possession down. Uh, James Harden intercepts the ball, gets another uh, uh, steal. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can kind of see now that these two are going to be issues, uh, maybe, potentially maybe issues for as far as um, you know, poking their hands in there and getting those. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just messing up the passing lanes and, and potentially getting those steals. But I mean, of course, that was Raymond Felton carrying. You know, started the game and was you know so in everybody's first game, and so I'm sure a little yeah. rust and stuff that had to be knocked and off. At the same time, like I do want to put out there that number one, Chris Paul is one of the best defensive players in the league as far as point guards go. He's uh, uh, first team all defense, something like that. Yeah, first team. Um, secondly, he played with Raymond Felton last year. So I'm pretty sure he knows his nuances. He knows what he likes to do with the ball. And so he put his hand in there at the right times to knock the ball away. You know, you're not going to play a Chris Paul-type defensive point guard every game. Sure, yeah. You know, so, yeah, it it looked a little bit ugly. It looked a little bit uh, sloppy. It it looked sloppy to start out the game. But it's the first preseason game. I'm not too worried about that at all. As far as how Melo and PG looked, Melo in that game looked great. So he looked like what you – what you hope for in a third option, that's what he looked like. So he was scoring from the wing. He was scoring from three. He was scoring in different places on the floor. And that's what the Thunder will ultimately want, you know, want, want from him. Yeah. Um, PG, on the other hand, he started off kind of slow. <coughs> PG was the de facto point guard in this game as far as the starters go. Um, so he was handling the ball a lot. Um, he looked okay. I mean, you gotta, you got to understand, whenever you look at this, you're not looking at a full team. You know, Russell Westbrook was out. So as far as how the offense run and how it looks, it's not going to look that way normally. Um, but he looked good in the second half. He, he took over a little bit more as far as the scoring load. And, you know, it's just it's going to be some time before all three of them kind of know what to do and how to affect games in their own way. Their nuances. So <clears throat> Melo, like you said, came out and started on fire his first – uh, shot at the first shot was a three pointer, <clears throat> then hit um, a jumper, and mm. then I think he hit a second a uh, second jumper, which led to an and one. Uh, so he came out scoring the first nine of the Thunder points. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Paul George looked a little bit, a little bit more hesitant. Yeah, hesit- hesitant is a good word. He was trying to figure out how things are going to play out, and then figure out where he was going to get mm. his stuff. Again, in the second half, kind of came, uh, brought it on a little bit in the second half, and then in this game. And then we, you know, when we talk about the game today, he uh, came out a lot more aggressive, a lot more on fire, uh, uh, you know, more quickly, and mm-hmm. definitely asserted himself more in this game. Yeah, and I, I put up so I put an, an article in the middle of this week, in which I looked at the the problems that could that that a big three can encounter, especially at the beginning of their relationship per se. And one of the big things is overpassing. So you start to get into a thing where. 
if you have three guys who know how to score, whenever they get together on one team, they're kind of afraid to take on the ball hog mantle. Yeah, they're going out of their way to make everybody else feel to, comfortable. To make everybody, yeah, everybody else be better. And you saw a little bit of that in the first game. You know, you had an example where uh, PG drove the ball. He had the lane if he wanted it, uh, but instead he kicked it back out to Mello. The pass got deflected, and it got taken the other way for a layup. So that's the type of things that, you know, eventually, you know, hopefully Donovan sees that and says, hey, if you have the lane, take it. I know three is better than two, uh, but a dunk is probably the best shot in the NBA. You're always going to make a dunk for the most part. It's the safest option. It's the safest option, exactly. So, I mean, those are just the trends that are out there. I and mean, as far as worrisome trends, that nothing was really worrisome. It's the first game. Um, the only thing that was a little bit worrisome was the Adams injury um, where Harden went up, kind of got knocked off his feet a little bit, and instead of just falling on the ground, he grabbed, you know, he grabbed the first thing he could grab, which was Adams' back, and kind of jerked him back a little bit. It looked a lot worse than what it really was. You know, after the game, basically Adams said, look, they got me on a little bit of drugs. It's more of a glutish injury, not a back injury. And as we saw tonight, he played tonight. Yeah, he came out and played fine. Yeah. <clears throat> you also notice that um, the implementation of the new rules, the new Harden rule, uh, yeah. you saw them working on that, and you saw that several times. Uh, Harden went up for his patented uh, catch you on the reach in, shoot the shot, um, and they don't give him the and one. He doesn't get the continuation, and I think in the Pelicans game today, you saw uh, uh, that in effect with Anthony Davis goes up with a shot, gets the foul. It's that Harden rule. He gets a sight out of bounds. Um, oh, okay. instead of the uh, shots, instead of the two shots. Oh, okay. So, all right. I, I, see, the thing is, I, I didn't see the, the Hornets game. I mean, not the Hornets, the, the Pelicans, Pelicans game. game. I didn't see the Pelicans game today because um, it wasn't working for me as far as getting access to it. Uh, but I did see I did see the Rockets game. But, yeah, I mean, so, I, I followed it on, on, you know, on ESPN GameCast and on NBA.com. So, I was able to watch the game. And, yeah, you notice that they're, they're working on definitely implementing the new rules. Mm-hmm. And, again, in full effect early on, um, Anthony Davis pulls up just under the three-point line, gets that foul shot, or gets that, you know, so James the, Harden's, the hand in the cookie the hand, jar type hand thing. in the cookie jar foul, and instead of the shots, he gets the side out of bounds. And, you know, these two games, I, I'm glad we played these two games first because they're a complete ca- contrast of styles. So the Houston game, Houston, known for their perimeter offense, you know, they launched 55 three-pointers in that first game. Um New Orleans, on the other hand, two all-star, great-level big men. Um, so it was a great kind of, I guess, a great training camp situation opportunity where you saw two different offenses and how to defend those two different offenses. So in this game, from what it looks like, Carmelo kind of struggled a little bit on the defensive end. You know, he was kind of a man without a country out there because I think what you told me is they had Paul George had, on <clears throat> Boogie. No, no, they Anthony had Davis. Paul George on Anthony Davis. And they had Steven Adams they on Boogie. They had Steven Adams on Boogie, yeah. Yeah, so. And that Drew Holiday was being guarded by Dre. Uh-huh. Uh, you had Rajon Rondo being guarded by Westbrook, and that left. Um, who's their third? Who's their, who's their three? Uh, let me see. Was it Perry Jones? No, Perry didn't start. Uh, Perry Jones back in the league. Good for Perry. Here, uh, yeah, I'll look it up. I got it. 
Oh, Dante Cunningham. Yeah, there you go. Dante Cunningham. Melo was guarding Dante Cunningham. Okay. And he held him to zero points. I mean, he played 17 minutes, 0-2, 0-1 from three point. But, I mean, you saw – so, basically, you saw a situation where, as far as defensively, Melo was kind of a, a man on an island out there. Right. You know. So, this was – I mean, this is good. This is good training camp material so that Billy Donovan, the coaching staff, can take back to um, – basically to the film room – and look at the two contrasting games that they had to play, how you defend that, how you play against that. And so, you know, I'm, I'm kind of glad they played these two games, regardless of the outcome. So in the Houston game, the Thunder from field goals, they were about 40%, 40.8 for mm-hmm. field goals. They had 45 rebounds, 10 offensive rebounds, only two turnovers in that game. Uh, they were 10 for 26 from three-point, which is 38.5, okay. which is automatically way better than last year. <laughs> last year, yeah. Uh, and they were 25 of 31 from free throw, so 80, 80%. Yeah, they did. They, I mean, they played good. They played, you know, I'm, like I said. And 28 points in the paint. Yeah. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not really looking at these games and saying, looking at stats and saying, oh, wow, this is, this is how it's going to translate to the regular season. I want to see trends. I want to see things that are, um, look like they're developing into patterns. Um, so I, I kind of like the, the direction the Thunder are going. And it's kind of hard to kind of gauge that because you're, you're only playing basically one half. And it's kind of a, a skewed half. Like tonight, you had Westbrook play one quarter. So you can't really gauge too much off of that. If you want to just take that, fir- that first quarter and just kind of go off of that, you can. Um, but, you know, it's kind of hard to do that in a preseason. Yeah, uh, but it's good to see kind of their idea – Basically, in these first two games, these preseason games, while I understand they're preseason games, a lot more bench minutes and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. you can see some things. I can see automatically right off the bat improvement in the three-point shooting. Yeah. I can see that we're still scoring points in the paint. I can see that we're uh, still um, rebounding Mm -hmm. as a team collectively. So you can see that those things are being implemented on and worked on and harped on during these practices. Um, And you can see them translating – to the preseason game so far. And, yeah. of course, if you got bench guys coming out there and hustling and bustling and getting these rebounds, you can only imagine that when your starters and your normal rotation gets in there, they're going to put just as much effort into hustling and bustling and mm-hmm. rebounding and, you know, their shooting and all that other stuff Bust- as you go. Is bustling a word? It is a word. Okay, bustling is a word. Yes. All right, got you. No, and I mean, and I get what you're saying. And with that said, we still don't have a Brenes or Patrick Patterson out there. Mm-hmm. So those two are probably going to be – one of our, you know, two of our best three-point shooters on the floor. Um, so you automatically see more spacing. You automatically see better three-point, you know, better three-point shooting with the addition of Anthony and with the addition of um, Paul George. And so, you know, whenever you look at trends, like I said, those are the improvements you want to see. You want to see the 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 weaknesses from last season turn into strengths this season, or or at least turn into av- you know average type play this season. Um, Point guard situation. So, you know, the first game you had Raymond Felton uh, starting. Right. Um, and then you had a combination of basically Daniel Hamilton and, and Isaiah Cannon, Isaiah Cannon yeah. being the backups. Mm-hmm. Okay. No Samaj in that game, which was a little bit surprising. But <coughs> if, you're having a, if you're having a training camp battle, you want to have one person play one game, then the next person play the next game, which is a situation we had. So first game, Isaiah Cannon played, played pretty well, 11 points. Um, shot the ball pretty well. This game, you had Samaj play most of the minutes. He did okay. He did pretty good. You so, also did have Daniel Hamilton out there and Isaiah Cannon. Yeah, and, and well. the thing with Daniel Hamilton, Daniel, Daniel Hamilton, I've always said this about him. He's He has 
he's a jack of all trades. He's not great at anything. And so if you have him out there as your point guard, I, 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 don't, I don't know why they're trying to use him as a point guard. To me, he's more like a, a point shooting guard, point small forward type thing. I don't think he's a point guard, a natural point guard in, in this league. Um, but they have him on two-way contracts, so you can put him out there a couple games during the NBA yeah, season just, and put him in G League and have him develop, continue yeah, to develop. Just see, just see how the experiment goes uh, playing in that position. What I think is going to happen is I think Isaiah Cannon will be our 15th guy, and I think they'll put Samaj on the two-way. Samaj two is going to get the second two-way. Yeah, that's what I think is going to happen. And so, you know, I don't know the, I don't know the specifics of Cannon's contract about maybe where if he has a guarantee date or if it's non-guaranteed throughout the season. Um, but if we get to the point where we have uh, buyouts, like around March, February, March, then he would probably be the guy that gets sacrificed for a buyout here or there. Right. Um, and then, so as far as the first game, that's all I got for the first game. The first game, I mean, we did what we had to do as far as finding things out about the team. And came away with a seven-point loss, but it is what it is, and I think we took a lot away from that game. Now, this game, so Russ came back, played one quarter, had nine points, four assists. Again, like I said, PG had 25 points. He shot seven of 14 from the field, three of seven from three. Um, But the more surprising thing, the more surprising kind of development that you have with this team is Terrence Ferguson. He looks like like a player. He looks like... He's getting minutes. He's getting made like this. He got 24 minutes this game against New Orleans, and he was a team leading plus 13. Like he was out there with Russell Westbrook, Paul George, Carmelo Anthony throughout the game. Yeah. You know, he was not playing, you know, he wasn't playing with the bench. He was playing with the starters. And so I think, like I was telling you earlier, I think as far as Ferguson goes, many people thought, including myself, he would be mostly on the G League team this season, developing there. I think he's more on the Steven Adams, Andre Robertson development plan where they're going to have him on the team. They're going to give him a couple minutes a night, 10, 15 minutes a night, let him develop with the team and see where he goes from there. Um, I like his game. Yeah, I like him. He's tall. He's he's skinny, so he's going to have yeah. to put on muscle, but that's going to come with time and development in the league. He's lanky. Um, he's not afraid to nope. pull the shot. He's not afraid of these guys to play defense, and he has six fouls, and he will use every single one. Of them. <laughs> he did, he did. He used all six of them in a uh, in the New Orleans game, uh, but you know he shot. He he scored nine points in that game. He shot one of I believe one of two from three. Um, he had three rebounds, one block. He's a long, athletic two guard. You know he had a highlight dunk this game. Um, I I I see good things from him, and I see. I see a pretty good future in yeah, I, I, on this team. I see his potential is uh, a great big potential yeah. with what I see with him. Some of the fouls that he has is just common rookie fouls, you know, mm-hmm. guys that get overzealous and defensively. They commit stupid fouls on inbounds plays and stuff like that just because, you know, maybe they're just too amped up and, you too know, just, they just got to learn the flow of the game. Um but he, I think he's going to get some minutes. Yeah, I think so too. I think he's going to get some minutes, and I think he's going to get some. He's going to get some situations where he gets he gets out there in high pressure situations, and then maybe not necessarily end of game situations, um, but maybe end of quarter, end of half type situations. They'll put him out there and maybe to see if he can take a three, maybe to see if he can defend. He's long. That's the thing. He's a long defender, and so once he gets used to the speed of the game, 
he's athletic. Um, he has a you know a pretty pretty long wingspan. You want to you want a player like that out there. He's the prototypical two for this new NBA. Um, so as soon you know as long you know as soon as he gets his shot, you know I haven't, I haven't really looked too much at his shot, how good it is, and things of that nature. Um, but you know from everything that I've heard, he's a shooter. And so we're you know we're going to be talking to Will Crouch here in a little bit. Our uh, our friend of the podcast from Adelaide, Australia. And so he'll give us a little bit more into Terrence Ferguson. Uh, we talked a little bit of how, about his development in uh, episode five. Um, but, but yeah, he's going to give us a little bit more into, into his development and how, how that has kind of helped him to get off to a quick start here in the preseason. Um, and Houston, Houston looked good too. Houston looks like a, a player, like, Every time he's out there, all you ask yourself is, why is this guy not playing? He looks like a player that has potential that just can't crack the lineup because of can't. the people that are in front of him. Like, it's just, it just amazes me that this guy, he's, he has the body. He has the potential to be a 3-4, you know, small ball four, a big three. He can shoot threes. You know, you're not going to get – he's going to be your three – he's your prototypical 3 and D wing. Low usage, shoots threes when he has them, dunks when he's close to the basket, plays defense, good on the perimeter, can block shots. Why is this guy not playing why, – why for the past year have any time the opportunity comes up, we play Kyle Singler instead of him? You know, I, I can't understand I, – I don't know why he didn't get minutes <laughs> last year and Kyle Singler always got those minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, like we've talked about in the podcast and I've asked you before, um, I don't, where do these minutes fall for him? Given the lineup that we have in the roster, they just, they're just not there. And it's, and it's somewhat disappointing, somewhat shameful when you look at it as a Thunder fan, or, you know, if you look at it, somebody like us, Mm -hmm. where we look, you we're fans of the team. Um, and we also, you know, we have a little bit more knowledge. We look more in depth at things such as the teams and their abilities and stuff like that. And we see this guy and we've seen him in a few uh, D league games for, you know, in the last couple of years. And we're like, man, this guy, you know, when he gets his shot, he's going to take advantage of it. And we see that. And he's just like, you just can't crack the lineup. It's it's just so weird to me. It's like, you know, does he have pictures of somebody's wife or, you know, I don't know. You know, it's just, it's just, I hope he gets his chance this year. And I know he's not going to be a, I know he's not going to be a 20 to 30 minute guy. You know, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not championing championing that, um, but give him 15 minutes. Give him 10 to 15 minutes, and now you have another guy in there that probably deserves 10 to 15 minutes in Ferguson. Um, but man, those McDermott minutes that you were going to give, give it to Eustace. You know, yeah, the he, guy can defend, the guy can shoot open threes. You know, until the magic wears off, because every time he gets into an NBA game, he makes the you know he makes a three open three pointer. He plays good defense. Until that magic wears off, use them until you know until you have to send him back to the G League. Yeah. You know, it's just I don't know. It's just I think he's going to get his opportunity, but his opportunity is not going to be with the Thunder. I think you know eventually they're going to have to trade. You know, either a small trade this season and, t- and you know, send him somewhere. But he needs his opportunity, and he's not getting it here, and that's that's disappointing because he's he looks like a player. Um, that's all I got for the two games. You got anything for these two games? Uh, nothing really. I did notice. I did want to ask you, what do you think? So Paul mm-hmm. George, like you mentioned earlier in game one, was ha- handling a lot of the ball. Mm-hmm. So I noticed in game two, um, Melo quite frequently would be taking the ball up and kind of initiate the offense or at least bring the ball up, mm-hmm. get it into Raymond Felton hand, reset. Uh, 
how do you like that? Do you like are you you like mellow? Yeah, I, I mean I, I'm okay. I'm okay with them experimenting in the preseason. I don't think Melo is going to be your main ball handler whenever you have all three of them out there. Um, but you know, as far as mixing it up and confusing defenses, if you have Melo handling the ball, the defense, you know, the defense is going to key in on Westbrook and on uh, George as far as your main ball handlers. You swing it over to Carmelo, and he becomes a point forward, a point power forward. Um, it kind of disrupts the defense. They don't know what to do. You know, they're, they're going to have to adjust to that. And so I think in very small stretches, very small situations, very little situations, yeah, I can see it working. I don't see it working as far as all the time. Well, here's, here's what I like about the potential about this, is that you legitimately have three guys, you know, when you play your starters and whatever, you legitimately have three guys that can grab that rebound and go. Yeah, and you're, it's not like you're waiting around looking to find Russell Westbrook to get the ball to him. You got three guys that can go and that can make plays in transitions. You know, Melo is not hesitant to and can do it all the time in uh, bringing that ball up, pulling up, and nailing a three. Russell Westbrook has shown an affinity and a love for just blowing by dudes and dunking all over them. Yeah. And Paul George is kind of the combination of the two where if you play back on him, he's going to pull it up on you. And if you play too close on him, he's going to blow by you. Yeah. Um, and so the fact that you have three guys that at any one point in time can just get up and run seems exciting to me as a Thunder fan. Oh, it's definitely exciting. It's going to be something that we, we, we have not seen since about 2012. And these guys are, you know, two of these guys are into their primes. One of them is a little bit past their prime. But I I argued, I kind of spoke about this with some of my other people on the internet that I talked to. Counterparts. Yeah, and so Carmelo is a little bit past his playing prime. But I believe in this situation, he's in a situational prime. Where if all I need you to do is exhibit your strength, and I put you in a position to exhibit your strengths, and you exhibit your strengths, you're playing up to your, your utmost potential at this point in your career. So looking at Carmelo, and if Carmelo gives you 22 to 25 points a game this season, that's a situational prime right there. You know, that's, he's, he's not going to be able to do that if, he just has, if he's the number one guy on a team. But if he's the number three guy and all the attention's on the, on the first two, and he goes out there and he, you know, he shoots from three, he makes it from three, he you know, shoots mid-range jumpers and makes them, um, he drives it to the lane whenever it's open that he's in a situational prime, in my opinion. Yeah, the, the beauty of Carmelo Anthony and the beauty and the benefit of Carmelo Anthony is on this team, we're looking at him as a third option. Yeah. But he has the ability, any given night, if anybody else is playing, to become a number two option or a number one option, Yeah, um, depending on how, other team, how the other people are playing, situational mm-hmm. matchups, that kind of stuff. So you have a guy that we're asking, hey, just, just give us 20 and 8. Just give us what you normally do. Yeah. Uh, and then he may have opportunities where we hey, go hoodie mellow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he's he, so he's, he's he'll ha- he'll have he'll have a game or two where he scores forty points. It's, it's just a given, you know, maybe even more. It's just a given that he's gonna have a game like that. George is gonna have games where he scores thirty five to forty points, and then Westbrook's gonna have games where he scores scores thirty five, you know, to forty points, you know, fifty points type thing. Um, it's just a kind of a. You know, just a, a, a something of riches, just a luxury. A, a luxury. It's a luxury, man. It's just, it's just something that we have hardly had here. We've always had, we've always had two, um, but now we got three. And so, 
it's going to be interesting to see. It's going to be interesting to see how they mesh together in the first couple games of the season. Um, but I do think they they want to mesh together, and I do think they realize that as a collective, they're stronger than as three individual players. And so that's you know that that's the first thing that you need to get out the way. Once you get that out the way, I believe the talent and I believe um, coaching will go ahead and do the rest. Um, so kind of want to move on to little bit of an, the NBA. So the NBA decided to go ahead and change their all-star game format because the East is horrible. <laughs> because you looked at the list and you saw, you know, the, the first thing that people said whenever George and Anthony and Jimmy Butler went to Western Conference teams was, oh, crap, 14 of the top 15 players in the league all play in the Western Conference. They don't play in the Eastern Conference. You know, so I guess the Players Association, Chris Paul, and Adam Silver were like, the All-Star game is going to be crappy if we keep it out as West versus East. Well, and, and to be fair, a lot of people have been complaining over the years because of the lack of defense. Basically, it's just a glorified and one mixtape game. And I hear that. And so my question becomes, how is this going to be any different? Like, you just, you just have a combination of different players now from each conference, well, but they're still not going to be playing defense. I agree with you, but looking at this format... I think you get that pickup ball mentality where you're, you're picking your teams. So the new format uh-huh. basically breaks down as the leading vote-getter from the Western Conference and the leading vote-getter from the Eastern Conference will become the team captains. Okay. And then they are free to choose from both conferences mm-hmm. whatever players they, they want. So the fans still vote in the starters, uh, and then the coaches still pick the reserves, and then the captains from each team get to pick from so okay, so so, so okay, so let me ask you this. So, so you have your top vote getters from each conference. They become the captains. Mm-hmm. Are they picking the starters first? So you have this group of eight other players who are named starters. You know, from the fan slash media slash player vote, and so these guys are the starters. So they would pick these guys first, right? Is that what I'm hearing? That's what it sounds like. So, uh, yeah, I would imagine so. So they would pick from that pool of uh, they eight players. They would pick from that pool first, yeah. Of starters. Mm-hmm. And then they would pick from the pool of 14 players, exactly. seven each, yes. to be the reserves. Exactly. Okay. And so it doesn't matter conference. They would just pick player, 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 player. 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 So I think uh, we're, we're, you know, one of, of course, friend of the show, Mr. Mr. T, M3T, yeah. uh, on Twitter, uh, brought it up. What, what, what would the jerseys wear? What would the jersey yeah, say? Yeah, so they, it'd be kind of weird if they just said East-West. I still think it would say East-West because you have the captains from uh-huh. each team. They just won't necessarily be conference-related players. Ah, that sounds weird, man. But more to the point, I think you have this pickup mentality. You pick up mm. basketball now mentality. And again, for these guys, pickup ball, they're not playing that great of defense and stuff like that. Yeah. But in that pickup ball mentality – you go. You gonna play a little bit. I tell you, you gonna what. Play a little bit harder. I tell you what. I want to see the the two players that are chosen last. I want to see how they play. No, no. Because I mean, okay. So if you're gonna have if you're gonna have the pickup mentality, and you're gonna have this game that hardly no defense, you know, hardly any defense is being played. Um, I wonder if those two guys are gonna be like, screw it, give me the ball. I'm winning I'm, MVP. I'm launching this every time. Because that's basically, honestly, the two years that Russell Westbrook won the MVP in the All-Star game, that's basically what he did. Screw it. Give me the ball, and I'm launching it from three, or I'm dunking it every time I get it. And he racked up, what, 40 points in each of those games? Yeah. You know, so it's going to be, it, I, I think it, it is going to be fun, but looking at this and saying, 
oh, man, this, this changes the whole format of the game. The game is still going to be 160 to 170. Yeah, you're still going to have them trying to get 200 on each side. Yeah, exactly. And it's still going to be open, you know, open lane for dunks. It's still going to be, you know, cats launching 35-foot three-pointers. And, uh, and so it's still going to be fun, but it's not going to be a competitive game. It's not going to be anything that you say, oh, okay, here we go, crunch time. You know, it's, it's 90 to 88, you know, with three minutes left in the fourth quarter. No. I have the solution for the jerseys. What? They're going to say shirts and skins. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe. But, I mean, it's, it's cool, man. So, here, so here's a question I have. So was Kerr was the, was the coach last year, yes. right? Yes. So he can't be the coach this year. No. So you can't coach two years in a row. Two years in a row, yeah. So you think Billy Donovan gets it this time? Mm, doesn't it usually go to the second coach? Yeah, it goes second second place. So let, so this so this is me assuming that Golden State's going to be in first place when we get to the All Star break. Right. And so this is me assuming that Oklahoma City is going to be in second place. Well, uh, I, what I what I'm saying doesn't it go to the second place coach from the Western Conference Finals last year? No, I don't like think the so. losing coach of that uh, team. Uh. Uh-uh. Oh, okay. I think it's a second place coach. coach. In the conference at that time, um, so I think I think it's a good opportunity for Billy Donovan to be the coach, the head coach of the Western Conference All Stars, or Which, whatever team's going to be called. L- let me ask you a question: Why does it matter if the coach, if Steve Kerr coaches fifteen times? Or, I guess I just want to give other guys opportunities. I, are people looking at? Are people you know bursting at the doors to put down on yeah, the resume uh, All Star Game coach? <laughs> like, I don't know. I mean, what, what does it matter? It don't. I mean, I, I guess in the end it doesn't matter, but it's just a good accolade to give to a coaching staff to say, "Hey, you're second place." You know, the the first place team from last year is still first place hey, this year. Go out there and win the game. I couldn't do it, so you know, take over. Hey, yeah. So this leads to situations then scenarios that are kind of comical in my in, you know in, in my thinking. So well, obviously, there's one scenario in mind that we're talking about. Of course, of course. So. Let's say, let's say Kevin Durant ends up getting the top vote getter in the West, and let's say, of course, LeBron gets it in the East. Okay, so this idea has kind of been floated around on the internet on Twitter, where if Durant and LeBron are the top vote getters for each conference, that the last starter picked is going to be Russell Westbrook. Yeah, because. LeBron knows that KD isn't going to choose him. And LeBron knows he can kind of chill and just get other players and then get Westbrook at the end of the starter thing. What do you think about that? But see, I would argue Kevin's played with Russell before. Uh-huh. You know, they were teammates and they played on the All-Star game. I would argue Kevin wouldn't care. And I would argue that Kevin would probably get Russell over, Steve, uh, over his own teammate in Steph Curry. I think as far as optics, I think Kevin wants so much to to have a good a, a good news story about him that I think he would go ahead and be like, with my first pick, I'm picking Russell Westbrook. Come on, buddy, let's go. <laughs> I mean, I mean that the, the guy is just he's starving for a good story for himself, and that would probably be the best story out there. You know, Kevin Durant chooses Russell Westbrook. Yeah, but then I then I think it becomes and I. It's going to become more of Russell Westbrook's reaction yeah. than so, okay. it is Kevin Durant's decision. Okay, so let me ask you this. What is the format of this? Like, we don't know. They haven't specified yet. Like, so like, we, don't, we don't know if the, team, if the team captains are just going to be sitting across from the table themselves and saying, okay, I'll take this guy, I'll take this guy. 
I'll take this so, guy, or so if it's going to be like you, a live draft situation. So do you think they're doing this All Star Weekend? Because I mean that would I mean like the whole point of this is to kind of see the whole point of this the underlying narrative that you want to develop here is who chooses who, yeah. right? And so if you have that underlying narrative, you want to see their reactions. You want to see the players' reactions because I mean that's. It's, it, that's reality show at its finest right, right there. That's, that's, you know, that's going to be a primetime special. That's, yeah, that's, that's Bachelor, that's Survivor, that's, you know, all those shows kind of put together but in, within the NBA format. And so I, I, I'm, I'm interested because this, going past the All-Star game, this selection process could be the most watched thing All-Star weekend, you know, as far as how the players react when they are selected, where they are selected. You know, is this going to be a draft room type situation where you have them sitting down in a, you know, in a uh, kind of like a, a ballroom the, yeah. area, and then you have a stage, and you know, with the first pick, LeBron selects so and so, and he comes up and gives LeBron a high five, and gives him a hug, and just gets stands up there. Yeah, gets a jersey gets and just the stands up and there. Jersey. It's just you know, it's, it's, it's it, the whole like like if they do it right, it could be great. Well, you would have to imagine that when Adam Silver. Um, got with the NF- the NBA Players uh-huh. Association was talking about the. You had to imagine that he had some sort of special in mind for the selection process. Yeah, oh, I, I mean, definitely, I, I understand that. But I mean, if they do it right, it could, it could be something that that prime time, prime time, just it, it, it could be great. It could be great, or it could be something that's just anticlimactic, where they just say, "Well, LeBron sent in his sent in his list, and you know, Kevin Durant or Steph Curry sent in you know his list." So we'll see. We'll see. But, I mean, it, it sounds fun for right now. And, and they're playing for charity. So, in the end, that's great. Everybody wins. Everybody wins, yeah. So, you know, it'd be interesting to see how it, how it kind of plays out. Um, so we are, we're about a week into preseason. You know, we kind of discussed the Thunders preseason. Um, any surprises from any yeah. of the teams, any of the players? The Sixers. They look pretty good. The Sixers look damn good. Ben Simmons? And, and uh, As advertised. Yeah. I, th- I think he's gonna be a, uh, I think he's gonna be almost Mike Magic, uh, Magic Johnson ish. You know, I'm, 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 and I'm not, believe me, I'm not comparing him to Magic no, 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 Johnson. No, I, I get what you're saying. But a Magic think, Ty- Johnson, a big guy a who big can guy, pass exactly, yeah. a big guy that can see over defenses, that can see over um, players maybe smaller than him, and get it to, and you, you have you have a young team around you, so you, he has a young team around him. They're gonna be constantly moving around. It's not like just you're, gonna, you're just gonna have shooters just sitting out there. Um, so I see, I see good things in the future for Philly okay. if they stay healthy. So I got a question for you. Are you with Markel Fultz tweaking his shot before the preseason? Like, I, I, I don't know. So Yeah, so he's messing with his jump shot. He went two for 13 in that game, in that preseason game. Uh, and then he came back afterwards and said, you know, he's been tweaking his shot. So you get a new look at his shot. And, he again, he was two for 13. I don't know. Are, I mean, are you – so you're the number Consider, one pick. Exactly. Why? Why did you tweak your shot? Well, at least why now? Why not roll with your shot, learn the speed of the game, and then See, come into season two that's tweaking like, your that's shot? That's like somebody that's overthinking it because Lonzo Ball has a horrible looking shot, but he hasn't tweaked it. But it works. It works. Yeah, it works for him, and it's gotten him to this point. Why in the world, if you got the number one pick and you were one of the best college players last year, that's, I, that's would what you I, try to tweak your shot now? That's what I thought was weird. Now, the second thing that I noticed and was kind of interesting is Chris Paul's replacement down in the Los Angeles, Milos Theodosic. Uh, Theodosic. Ooh, and yeah. His little underhand pass. Man, that dude, that's going to be fun. I mean, like just, just because of him, and I know 
because of him, and then you still have DeAndre Jordan, you still have Blake Griffin, uh, but just because of him, he becomes, to me, a, uh, a league pass watch. You got to watch the Clippers just because of him. I'm sorry. You know, it, it just, you know, I look at him and I see something that every game he's going to have a highlight. It's going to be like kind of Jason Williams, Ricky Rubio when he first got in the league, just something that. You know, he reminds me a lot of uh, Jason Kidd. Does he really? Yeah, a little bit in the way that he passes. You know, Jason Kidd had great passes and stuff like that, but they were it's not like they were, you know, they were, like again, he had the underhand pass. Yeah. I, I kind of remember Jason Kidd in the early Nets days uh-huh. with those kind of maybe, you yeah. know, underhand passes, kind of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, in in that regard to his pass, it kind of reminds me of Jason Kidd a little bit. I don't know. I don't know, maybe. But you know who my MVP of this preseason so so far is? Who? Kyle Kuzma. Kyle Kuzma. Of the Lakers. Yeah. That man is hooping. That man is. And, again, it's preseason. You're not getting the number one defense, usually defenders out there. But that man is, he's something. He's he's proven to be something. He's a, you know, he's a a 3-4 that can handle the ball, that can shoot, that can drive. I'm pretty sure he's what Orlando was hoping Aaron Gordon would become. Um, but I'm highly impressed by Kyle Kuzma. I think three years from now, Kyle Kuzma is a better player than Lonzo Ball. What? <laughs> you've, been, you've, been, you've been holding that, haven't you? You've been holding that in? I have. I've been, waiting, been waiting to, I've been waiting to release that. I've been waiting for the opportunity to put that on there. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. Okay. All right, so uh, – that's all I have for the NBA. Do you got anything for the NBA? No, I'm just interested to see the rest of the rounding off the rest of the preseason game. Yeah. Um, and then again, you know, our countdown is on. We're looking at uh, so it's 11 the, days to the start of the regular season. And so 13, 13 days. days for the start of the Thunder season. Yeah. Yes. You don't know. I'm so happy for that. All right. So what we're going to do is take a quick break and we're going to go ahead and bring on Will Crouch of Adelaide. Adelaide 9 um, over in uh, Australia, and we'll be discussing, previewing uh, the Thunders matchup against Melbourne United, and then talking about some other Australian-related things. All right, so here joined in by um, Will Crouch from from News 9 over in Adelaide, uh, Australia. Will, how are you doing? I'm real good. Thanks for having me back on. It was good fun last time, so it's good to be back. Good deal, good deal. All right, so first thing I want to – so before we get into, you know, Melbourne United, before we get into Terrence Ferguson, I want to get into uh, this AFL final that just happened. <laughs> so Australian League uh, – Australian uh, – Australian Football League. Yeah, but what's what's yeah. the official title of it? it Australian it's, 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 Australian it's rules football. The AFL. Yeah, it's, it, I mean it's it's Australian rules football. Uh-huh. Uh, we've got the AFL, which is the you know the same as the NFL. It's the Australian uh, Football League. Okay. Um, and yeah, it's 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 this crazy sport. If, I recommend looking up AFL on YouTube. You'll see all sorts of highlights. It's um, for anyone who doesn't know, it's this crazy sport that's a mix of uh, rugby, soccer, football. Uh, it's a little bit of everything, really. There's goals at either end of a giant oval. Mm-hmm. And the main goal, if you if you kick the ball through the goal, you get six points. If you miss uh, slightly, you get one point. And the aim is obviously to just get as many points as possible. And uh, you can do just about anything to get the ball from one end to the other. 
Uh, there's no pads. It's short shorts and singlets. So it's uh, it's a real different look to what the NFL guys might be used to. But it's uh, it's a crazy sport. <laughs> and so and so kind of kind of looking at it. So you guys had you just had the final. So you just had the Super Bowl of the uh, AFL. And you had a team that right. was a perennial underachiever finally win, correct? Over yeah, it's, Adelaide, it's a right? <clears throat> That's right. So the Adelaide Football Club, they're called the Adelaide Crows. They're uh, my town's kind of big team. Mm-hmm. They uh, they went all year. They were the top of the table. They were the premiership favorite. They uh, they won their two finals to get into the grand final. Um, so, you know, you can imagine what a city's like in Super Bowl week or in the NFL finals or the NBA finals. That's what Adelaide was for the last month. Yeah. And uh, the grand final day came last Saturday and um, a team from Victoria called Richmond, they're this uh, black and black and yellow team. They're called the Tigers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they hadn't won in over 30 years and they, they came out. They were the underdogs and um, they absolutely destroyed Adelaide. So it was a uh, – <laughs> I mean, it was – Australia-wide, it was quite a feel-good story. In uh-huh. Adelaide, not so much. Where I was, <laughs> a lot of upset fans. But that's the you know that's the good thing about sport. You get interesting stories and um, and you know really interesting uh, moments that happen that you know a lot of people would never think would happen. And a lot of happy people in Richmond. I'll tell you that. So this was this was definitely like an underdog story, right? As far as Richmond oh, goes, massively. Massively, massively. Richmond uh, weren't really given much of a chance going in. They, they, you know, had a few superstars and did really well to get there. Mm -hmm. But everyone thought, nah, this is going to be the Crows' day um, and the Crows are going to come out on top. The Crows haven't won a premiership in uh, 20 years. So in some ways, they've kind of had a little bit of a, you know, they're a little bit of a drought going on there. But Richmond were the underdogs by far on this one. So it was a uh, a really good story. They won by 48, (laughs) man. Yeah, nearly ten goals, which uh, yeah, in the AFL is a uh, pretty big margin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Thanks for rubbing salt in the wound. All right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, Will, based off your last po- your last podcast with Alex, uh, I did some research into Australian football rules. I saw little clips on YouTube. I agree with Alex. I don't understand why this hasn't taken off more in the United I, States. I, I really don't. I, I think. Yeah. I honestly, I honestly think, and, and you know. Like you've kind of put me on to this, uh, Will. I've kind of, I, I, I'm not gonna lie. I haven't done too much research, but I have looked at a couple YouTube clips, and I, it's it's fun to watch. It's fast moving. It looks like it's you know it's high scoring. You know, Americans we love high scoring games. We hate soccer for one reason, one reason only because <laughs> you know they don't score a lot. Um, so That's it's high. Right. It's high scoring. It's fast moving. Um, I don't know why it hasn't caught on caught on yet, but I will say this. With so much backlash on the NFL because of CTE and because of concussion protocols and things of that nature, I could definitely see a kind of a niche maybe forming within the United States of bringing something like this over and maybe having that become something. Well, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because I agree absolutely with what you said. I'm all for AFL. It's one of those things. I mean, you can pick up a footy. It's a little bit of a different shape to an NFL ball, a gridiron Mm -hmm. ball. It's it's more kickable rather than um in NFL I know you guys they got these punters and they punt the ball that you know and it, it moves like a beautiful spiral guys don't kick like that in NFL they kick what's called a drop punt where it uh, mm-hmm. spins backwards and it's the it's the easiest kick it's like the equivalent of a chess pass in basketball you know this the simple most direct way of doing it and kicking a drop punt isn't hard football AFL I mean AFL isn't a hard game to learn at all. Yeah. Um, it's the type of game, you know, you, you pick a, you take a ball to the park, you kick it around with your mates, it's actually pretty easy. 
And uh, I agree with everything you said. In the scheme of things, it's a fast-paced game. You know, there's occasionally some bad injuries like a, a torn ACL or a, a broken ankle, but there's hardly any concussions mm-hmm. comparatively with the NFL. There's minimal head-to-head contact, and if so, it's incidental. There's rules in place to protect high tackling and dangerous tackling. So um, I think, yeah, it's, it's certainly a sport that in the next couple of years could really, you know, and when I say, you know, pick up, kick off and really increase in popularity, I guess in America it's non-existent at the moment. So yeah. I certainly think there's a you know a little market that could start to grow. And I know there are some teams in America or some like expat Australian guys living over there who have little competitions with their mates. They're not anything official, but mm-hmm. you know you can certainly see it. I agree with you. You can certainly see it kicking on just because of the ease of it. You don't need you don't need pads. You don't need helmets. You don't need um you know a heap of umpires. You just need a couple of guys in an oval and you can kick it around and it's pretty easy. I think I, I think I think the oval is the thing that probably uh, that keeps it from you know you can't really find a field that's an oval that has you know that has the uh, the field goal things that that they have in the AFL. It'll take some getting used to. You'll probably have to have some guy just kind of invest some money bit. into building like an oval shaped park and, and then get it kicked off. I definitely yeah. will be following uh, yeah. some of the season now a little bit more closely and trying to catch you know highlights and stuff like that on YouTube because it is it seems very interesting and it seems. Uh, very fun to watch. Yeah, oh, and it's just so unpredictable. There's so much, you know, there's so much. Any any game has something that, uh, you know, you won't have seen before. It's one of those type of sports where there's always something new, always something different. Um, so, yeah, it's it's fantastic in the scheme of things. <laughs> All right. So uh, so kind of want to move on to, to what we really brought you on for. So let's talk a little bit of basketball. Um, so first of all, Terrence Ferguson. He's been getting some run with the Thunder. I don't know if you've been following the the last two kind of preseason games and the uh, the blue and white scrimmage that the Thunder had, um, but he's been getting a lot of run with the Thunder in the first preseason, first two preseason games, and he's kind of shown a little bit of what you were talking about. I was very impressed with you know hearing what hearing about how the the thirty sixers kind of treated him as you know not this prima donna superstar young guy but more of a guy that, hey, you want to go to the NBA, we know you do. We're going to work to get you better um, to make it into the NBA. And I think that has actually helped him um, kind of acquiesce to the league a lot quicker than, say, somebody who would have been coddled and would have been just given the ball and say, hey, shoot it up 30 times and let's see what happens. Yeah, I mean, in a lot of ways, it's almost like he had a red shirt year last year, mm-hmm. like a, an NBA red shirt year. Like he, like like we spoke about last time, he came to the Sixers, and the coach Joey Wright, who has this real reputation as a players' coach, essentially said to him, "We want you to be a successful basketballer. We don't, you know, we don't want you to uh, short. We don't want you to take any shortcuts. We don't want any, um, yeah, any shortcuts or anything like that. We want you to put the hours in here and work hard." We don't need you to score 20 a game. We just want you to come here and work hard. So the bigger picture is you can be successful. And uh, I think that's that's showing so far. He's looked pretty impressive like throughout the offseason. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, he, you, you can see when he plays, he's got that nice shooting form. He's got the nice um, – like he's got a good arc on his shot, good – technique he's got powerful like he's got powerful legs that he gets a nice jump on it as well he's mm-hmm. he's that real three and d mold when you see him shoot like it's a, just a really consistent shot um at least form wise um and you can see like yeah he's put a lot of hours in the gym a lot of time just getting shot after shot after shot up so 
I think the long-term plan is he can hit the court and really contribute in you know the next couple of years. And he and he seems like he's very pragmatic. He's very much a realist. He's not coming into the situation. You know, he he has teammates that are superstars in in Westbrook, Carmelo Anthony, Paul George. Um, but I think he's coming into the situation and wanting to learn, wanting to be a sponge and just get as much information as he can from especially those three players um, because he hasn't stepped on the court and you know shot it up 20 million times. He actually stepped on the court, taken the shot when it's there, but then you know done the right play from there. So that's something that, to a young player, the maturity factor of that is completely, you know, completely 180 to what you see from most young players. Yeah, and you know he, he the NBL has a, a lot of the, I guess the Adelaide 36ers at least have a very good culture in in the sense that players come in and they want to know their role, they want to play their role. They don't want to come in and you know just put up like we say 30 shots a game and mm-hmm. and be a superstar. It's, I think it's a bit of the Aussie culture. Guys are pretty down to earth um, in that sense, you know, because financially the NBL isn't necessarily you know you can't live off two years in the NBL. You really need to. A lot of the guys want to carve a career out of playing NBL because they know they can't, you know, just get that financial windfall from one season, two mm-hmm. seasons. So they want to they want to be there for five to ten years, a lot of these guys. And I think the attitude reflects that, that, you know, you can't come into a team and piss everyone off or have things go wrong because that could be your entire career uh, finished for some yeah. guys. So I think Ferguson, as we were saying, good temperament. And I think, you know, if, if you want to thrive in the NBA, you need that attitude, especially in a team now that's got – not just Russell Westbrook, but also Paul George, Camelo Anthony, three absolute superstars who put up a lot of shots and get a lot of the ball. Um, I don't think you get – you're not doing yourself any favors if you're going to try and, uh, you know, take touches from those guys. No, definitely not. So, uh, Will, hey, this is uh, Anthony here. It's part of the coach's mentality and what they brought Terrence Ferguson over there and sat him down and taught him. Is that – contributed to his defensive tenacity because I watched these first two preseason games. He's out there. He's hustling. Uh, he's bustling. He's playing defense like it's nobody's business. And he has six fouls, and he's going to use every single one of them. Uh, is that something oh, that he learned in uh, the, playing for the 36ers? Oh, no doubt. Joey Wright, this 36ers coach, massive on defense, sees it as a, a vital thing. And I've spoken to him quite a lot, and he often says that, you know, for the young guys, they, any any young guy who comes out to him can, can hit a three, can take a guy one-on-one. But the thing he looks for is who can defend and who can stop someone and who can step up, take a bit of pride in defense. And Terrence, when he came, he was pretty raw defensively. Like, he he had good fundamentals, but he was the type of guy who could get knocked around a little bit and, maybe take a step back or he'd get a few fouls and pull out a bit. But I think Joey's really drilled that mentality into him that, you know, if you want to be a good pro basketballer, you need to be able to play D and you need to be able to, I guess, play a role that makes you invaluable. And, you know, in the NBA, everyone's, everyone can shoot. There's, you know, 95% of the league, you can't leave white, you can't leave open, but not everyone can play defense. And I think that's such a big thing that Joey and the 36 is kind of, put in his mind, planted that seed that if you want to be a contributor, if you want to have a successful career, you have to be able to play defense. Um, and the Sixers actually, one of the one of the better players at the 36 is a guy called Mitch Creek. He um, spent a bit of time with the Utah Jazz in the summer league, mm. played for the uh, Australian national team in a tournament recently. He, uh, he was the captain of the Sixers last year. And one thing he told me in an interview was that the first thing he did when Terrence got to the team was started bullying him. And not in a like bad, like negative, toxic way. Just in a, he said to him, every time we train, I'm going to go at you. I'm going to go at you real hard because 
you want to be a good basketballer, you got to you got to be prepared for this. Yeah. You got to have this from day one. So I think the Sixers made a conscious effort to, you know, put the put the good practices in his mind. But also the players said to him, you know, we're gonna we're not gonna make this easy for you. This isn't a holiday. Yeah, and he, I mean, and, uh, he's coming into a team where he has Russell Westbrook, and I'm pretty sure Russell Westbrook is not one of those players that necessarily just lets a, a new guy just come in and do whatever. He he probably has to go through a little bit of uh, trials and tribulations. Um, yeah. To get his respect, absolutely. All right, absolutely. So, so next time you speak with Joey Wright, you know, give him our thanks for developing a player that. <laughs> no, no, I'm serious. I mean, I mean, because like I said, you know, we've we've had, you know, not necessarily the Thunder, but we've seen prima donnas come over that have, you know, foregone sure. college and gone to play one year overseas and come come to the NBA like like they're hot stuff. Um, so whenever you see Joey Wright, give him. Our our thank yous here from Oklahoma for developing such a good player and developing somebody that could come into the NBA has a maturity factor about him and is ready to play. So say oh, thank you, sure. Joe. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Joey would love to hear it. To be honest, you know he's a he's a coach who really down to earth guy, but you know takes a lot of pride in what he's able to do and how he's able to mentor and help out guys. So I'll definitely pass it on to him. All right, thank you. All right, so let's kind of move on to uh, to Melbourne United. I know you, you you probably have to leave here in a little bit, so I'll, let's spend the last uh, right. little bit yeah, yeah. here talking about Melbourne United. So I'm looking at their roster, and I see some names that I do recognize. Um, as far as the Americans, you got Josh Boone, and he used to play for UConn. Um, yeah, he was. He's the big dog. He, he used to rock cornrows for a little while. I think yeah, he, he had jersey with he had the, the long cornrows. Yeah, yeah. Some time ago now. He's bounced around a little bit, bounced around the world. But um, he played a bit for Melbourne last year. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, didn't in the NBL, you, you see a lot of movement with the imports. And for a guy to stay at a team for a couple of years usually means they're, you know, they're pretty settled. They're doing pretty well. The team's mm-hmm. pretty happy with them. So uh, I think jo- Melbourne like what they see with Josh Boone for sure. So, so we got Josh Boone. We got Casper Ware. I believe he played for Louisville. Am I correct on that? I'm not 100% sure about his college, but he, I tell you what, he is one of the most exciting players in the NBL the last couple of seasons. Like, yeah. well, last season he came in, and once he gets the hot hand, you uh, you know you're in trouble if you're playing against Casper. Oh, uh, he kind of <laughs> sounds like he's like an Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas, like, you know, he's five foot ten, and he just sounds like he's a, he's a little bit of a jitterbug out there. You know, oh, it's a great comparison. He's and he's one of those guys. He doesn't shy away from contact with the basket, but he loves skirting around the uh, three point line, putting up yeah. deep shots. And um, yeah, he killed the Sixers a couple of times last year. Okay, yeah. Casper <laughs> Ware played for California State University, Long Beach. Oh wow! Like I've heard of him before, but that that university. Ooh. Okay, but I, yeah. I but the, the name that kind of does stick out that I've seen is the captain David Anderson. I know he's played in the league before. I know probably in the. 2010, 2008 to 2012. I think he played in the league. He always had that. Uh, yeah, he had a little he, bit. He always had the, uh, he, he, the 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 blonde hair, like the uh, not blonde, but the hi- hydrogen peroxide hair. The highlights. He had yeah. the frosted tips. <laughs> the frosted tips. There we go. The the insect yep. look. <laughs> Apparently, his nickname is GQ because he likes to style himself <laughs> nicely. That's what he said on the yeah. this week. So. <laughs> yeah, he he was a, he was a handy player for a few years. He. Uh, I don't think he ever played on any kind of big-time playoff teams, but he bounced around a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, he likes playing that high post spot. So, yeah, he, he's um, he's probably the main main guy at Melbourne. But uh, one name you guys might not have heard of is Chris – well, it, it kind of varies. Chris Goulding or Chris Golding. Um, he actually didn't play in this season opener against the 36ers this week, but uh, he's one guy who's played for the Boomers, Australia's national team, uh-huh. and uh, he's done a little bit of summer league stuff here and there. 
But uh, he's one you want to watch. He's He's got a real look about him. You know, some players have that look. He's got the, the black uh, point. Jet black hair, long hair in the ponytail, uh-huh. and uh, once he gets cooking, that's uh, that's something really special to see. He can hit shots from anywhere on the court. He's got that real nice. It's almost a bit Steph Curry esque. Like can kind of oh, once really? he once he gets a bit hot, can hit his shot from anywhere. But obviously, uh, he's no Steph Curry. Yeah. But uh, you know that similar style that you see some guys that just you know love going at guys, but then you know stopping on a dime and just hitting you know deep threes and that kind of thing and. He's a real joy to watch. He's one guy that uh, I think you guys will enjoy watching. Yeah, so, so I'm reading on here. So I see that he's he was first team uh, in 2013-14 and then 2015-16. So obviously yeah. he has some talent. Oh, for sure. He's uh, an absolute superstar. He kind of came from nowhere as well. He bounced around a bit a few few years ago in this kind of preseason tournament. Then he went and played at a uh, team up in Queensland. And uh-huh. then uh, since going to Melbourne, he's just been a revelation and yeah, you know, played in some national teams and really, uh, really quite an impressive player. All right, so if I were to if I were to ask you for a scouting report on how they play, so what's what's their style? Are they, you know, are well, they three point shooting? Are they what what, what are they like to do? They're an interesting team because they uh, last year they probably were one of the best teams in the NBL on paper, but they had a coach who just didn't quite get it right with the mix. So last year they. Um, they yeah probably didn't live up to expectation, but they've retooled this year, kept most of the team, but uh, got a new coach in. They've only played one game so far, uh, which was against Adelaide, and they won by two points. That was uh, two nights ago. Um, oh. So I mean they're pretty happy with how their season started so far. But so as far as their so, team goes, so they're literally they played two nights ago, and they're traveling over to Oklahoma City to play. Yeah, on Sunday <laughs> yeah. in an afternoon game. Yeah. So. <laughs> I think they uh, they played and they were pretty much on the plane the next morning. I think, uh-huh. or the, or, yeah. So, but look, they've got like like you mentioned, they've got some big guys like um, Josh Boone, David Anderson. David Anderson can pop a bit, you know, mm. plays can play outside. But they've got the big guys, the size. But really, I think they're a team who they like shooting from deep. They got some good slashes. They got guys like uh, Chris Golding, Casey Prather. He's an American import. They've mm. got. He's just a lengthy, fast guard who can shoot the three, but likes yeah. to slash. I remember, I remember score. him from Florida. I think. Yeah, yeah. So they got, and you know, so they got a few guys like that who um, like to cut, like to run, like to move. It's a tricky one to scout because you know they can really shoot the three well, but they can also bang a little bit inside. Maybe not against an NBA team, mm-hmm. but they can bang it around a little bit. But you know, they can also cut. They can run. They can get out on transition. So it's a little bit. They're a tricky team to scout, especially after just one game, because in the NBL they can really just change their game style based on who they're playing. Yeah. You know, if if Casper Ware gets hot, they're going to go to him. If if Golding gets hot, they're going to go to him. And it kind of varies a bit, but I think they're the type of team they like to play perimeter, look for shooters, and slash more than anything. Because Josh Boone, he's not really a back to the basket. You know, Hakeem Olajuwon, he's a bit more of a um, you know defender and cleans up on offense mm. a bit. So. I think, yeah, they like to play from outside, which is interesting because I think that's how the Thunder will be playing this year with, you know, Westbrook, Paul George and Mello, you know, probably starting outside and then cutting, shooting, slashing, hitting hitting guys, you know, from the outside, that kind of thing. But, yeah, yeah it should, it, in a lot of ways, like, obviously, they're worlds apart in, um, in skill set. You know, one's an NBA team, one's an NBL team. But 
they actually do have a little bit of a similar style, I imagine. It'll be interesting to see a matchup, but I think it's a pretty similar style. Okay. No, and, and I mean, one of the things that we talked about uh, previous in our previous podcast, um, as far as the the Thunder's preseason, is that they played Houston their first game. So Houston likes to shoot a whole bunch of threes. Uh, and then just tonight they played New Orleans, and New Orleans has you know Anthony Davis and, and DeMarcus Cousins, so they have a very good post presence uh, with their yeah. team. So hopefully this game is the combination of both of those things, and then they can go ahead and kind of see how they can you know defend that, and that's probably going to be most of the teams in the NBA that are more a combination of shooting and big men instead of just being yeah. you know just one or the other. Yeah, absolutely. And I just think it's a good thing. I think it's good that the Australian teams, you know, it's, it's a trial game, but it's good that the Aussies are coming over and integrating in the, the NBL because basketball is such a big thing in Australia and obviously America is, you know, the, the best basketball in the world. So it's good that, you know, there's a little bit of, uh, you know, a partnership happening because I think in the next couple of years, the 36ers have flagged their interest. So maybe, you know, Adelaide will be playing against, uh, who knows, San Antonio or someone in the next couple of years. Yeah. We'll see. But I think it's, it's a good partnership going forward. I think it'll, you know, it might not be the best basketball viewing experience, but I think it's good, um, you know, globally to be, to be doing stuff like this. It should be a bit of fun. I, I love to watch these games. I love it when, you know, whenever FC Barcelona comes over, whenever, uh, Absolutely. Who's, the, who's the other team? Shanghai. They, they've been playing a couple games here. Um, so I, I love to see, I love to see the what they call the Euro League teams, the you know the international teams that come over, and sometimes they surprise the heck out of the NBA team and win the game. Um, Absolutely. So it's great competition, you know. Basketball is a global sport, and I hope this trend does continue um, because I, I yep. love to see other players. I love to see other leagues come into the to the NBA and kind of see how we match up. Well, one thing to look out for: there's a guy on the Melbourne team called David Barlow. Uh-huh. He you guys can be the judge of whether he or Sean Marion has the worst shooting form. So keep an eye for him. It's, it's pretty ugly. You, you, tend to, you, you tend to forget that we have Andre Robertson on our team. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> See how those two stack up. Exactly. They, <laughs> they're just going to guard each other. They're going to guard each other and just shoot against each other and see who makes it first. Oh. And whoever makes it first uh, wins the game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only way uh, Melbourne might win, I reckon. <laughs> All right. Well, Will, thank you very much uh, for your time. Um, are you going to be watching the game? We'll have to see. Hopefully, hopefully, we should be taping it here at work. So either way, I'll get to see some of the highlights. Good deal, good deal. Well, hey, thank you very much for coming on the show. Hey, no, nah, thanks for having me, guys. It's good to chat with you both, and uh, looking forward to doing it again soon. All right, you take care. Okay. <laughs> All the best, guys. Have thanks a good again. One, thank you. See ya. All right, bye. All right, and that concludes this episode of the NTTB podcast. Uh, make sure that you're checking out the website now. That's thunderbasketball.com. Make sure that you are hitting us up on Twitter, and um, Thunder Basketball is here. Um, so be prepared to see some some more content from us. The YouTube channel is coming along, and we will be having more on there, more on the website. And until the next time we talk, we'll talk to you later. See you guys.